This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. What Happens If is filmed in front of a live studio audience. This is What Happens If with Daniel and Young on Joy. Um, oh, you're, you're on Joy 94.9, by the way. Um, I'm Jan Pietro, and this is What Happens If. Um, yeah, I've got a good good show coming up um, today. It's going to be really good. Um, I'll talk about that in a second. But um, yeah, I was, just, um, I was just sitting here. I was thinking about how um, we were talking about... Well, I, I, was, I was talking about it. You were listening. I was talking about The Nanny. Remember that show um, with Fran Drescher? Fran Fine, the character Fran Fine. They do those... Um, those corny, boring recap episodes. You know, there's a, you know, they have like a, they have like a paper thin storyline in the quote unquote present day, but you know, basically each crap scene is just a segue into a flashback from previous episodes. And then that just ends up being the entire episode. I mean, it's just so lazy. I mean, can't they come up with anything new? How bereft of ideas do you have to be? to resort to a crappy, basic, waste-of-time story like that. I just, um, actually, I was, you know, I was talking, talking about um, lazy storytelling. It uh, made me think of social media, which made me think of um, Instagram influencers, which made me think of that early interview we did with Kurt Coleman. Remember, Kurt? One of the things I was thinking about was how we spoke to Natalie Gilholm, who's an expert in the area of Instagram influencers and has and has managed managed some of them before. And then and then we 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 spoke to Kurt Coleman, but we spoke to Kurt Coleman first and then Nat second. And I've always thought that maybe maybe the message would change if we if we played Natalie's interview, then we played Kurt's interview. You know. Oh well, um, you can't change the past, I guess. So um, we'll just keep plugging along with with today's show because you know time keeps rolling on here at Joy ninety four point nine. Hey, this is What Happens If, uh, Joy's new show that attempts to tackle the questions you think you know the answers to. I'm Daniel, and the other voice over there is Jan. Hello. Hi. So on tonight's show, we're looking at the weird and wonderful world of social media and asking what happens if I become an influencer. Mm. Uh, so we've heard from an actor and a true blue bona fide influencer, although that's he, not how no. he refers to he himself. He didn't like that word at all. He did not like that word. <laughs> Very interesting. Now, we need to hear from someone who actually plays a hand in hiring these people. Natalie Gilholm uh, is a casting director. Well, that's one of her many jobs. 
Jacobs, um, who has had an extensive career both on and off the stage. She is an established performer in her own right, but has spent much of her career representing other artists. She knows firsthand the importance of maintaining a social media presence, and she's on the line to tell mm. us all about it. Nat Gilholm, welcome to <laughs> What Happens If? <laughs> Thank you. Good to be here. Hi. Hey. <laughs> what do you want to know? All right. You know let's. Do- we, um, the first thing that comes to my head, because you just said you're the out, if in doubt, leave it out. That was one of the mottos we had about when we coached. So when we coach people on kind of social media strategy and kind of if there's any doubt in your mind, if it's going to offend or cause controversy or there you go. Right. The little motto, if in doubt, leave it out. So this is when you were, um, you were an agent for artists. Is this, is this management that- company? Yeah, I was a manager and it was more so, I don't know, you've talked to an actor, but this was more so in uh, radio and TV personality. So, oh, okay. You know, it actually played a, a bigger part in their um, career scope, I guess, if you like, than someone like a music theatre actor. Right. And, it, you know, it, it is becoming a very, very important part of, it, it's a commodity and it's a, it's a definitely, a, it's a new me- media stream as, as important as a TV appearance or a radio interview and, and can be as lucrative as sponsorship deals, like the old school ones where you did a TV ad for a board, you know. Yeah, right. I was actually going to ask you about that. that. Is is there is there much comparison between uh, uh, an ad campaign on your own socials as compared to like a TV commercial? Yeah, like, I think it's exactly the same. Is it? I mean, yeah, a different right. different pay. Or? Well, I feel like it's yeah, yeah, different on a different scope. Yeah, a different scale. But it's still it's still you're putting your name and your face and your um, authenticity to a brand. And that has to be dealt with very carefully. Right. And it seems to me that, I mean, it's something that I think we know about social media advertising is that it's incredibly targeted, right? So so we know that yeah. if, if, if an ad uh, company has a certain brand that they're working with, you know, and just name your brand, and they can now search for something very specific like like you say a personality that they think matches mm-hmm. up perfectly with their with their product right mhm yeah. yeah i mean that's the benefits of this new media i guess they're actually you know you're not wasting so much money on a tv ad that you know target well doesn't target kind of hits a whole broad sector of the media community but instead you can spend a lot less really target your market and try and kind of weave it into this kind of authentic person that people look look up to. I mean, this is what you're aiming for. People look up to as someone that they believe what they're saying all the time. And they think, oh, that person's got that or they like that particular coffee machine. I've heard it's really good. So-and-so says they love it, you know. Oh, my God, that sounds like me me every day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing. It's actually the same as... Word of mouth. It's yeah. really like this new form of word of mouth that people can get paid for. I mean, it certainly has its negatives. Um, but if you're someone that does this a lot, I don't know who your influencer was and why they didn't like the word influencer, but you, the last thing you want to do is become someone that sells out to brands and every single post you're doing on Instagram is, is you know, touting something or trying to hide behind... Love this brand of makeup. Look how it makes my eyelashes look. Hashtag, yeah. you know. Hashtag fresh face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a question around around 
what's required of let's call them an influencer what's required of the influencer so so if if a if a brand or an event is connected with a specific influencer and they're invited to an event you know whatever it might be it might be the opening of a musical or something like that or whatever it is what's the conversation that gets had between the the client the influencer and the employer what are the, what's asked of them specifically are they, are they, are they told exactly well, what to say what captions yeah. to write uh, there's certainly, I mean, it depends. And there's kind of a whole spectrum, I guess, where are you talking about someone that's, say, a micro-influencer, influencer in, you know, I think what they call people with under 10,000 followers or something. Okay. Or up to someone like, um, you know, someone that hosts a morning show on TV and is immediately recognisable. Right. Mm. Different, different spectrum kind of points to how you can engage someone to appear. You can invite them to an opening night. I actually was at the last opening night. I was at someone who I knew from this, you know, this history that I had as a manager had their ticket. They didn't get opening night party tickets, but they got, you know, a little, um, little slip of paper that told them exactly all the, the correct hashtags, all the correct check-ins. Right. Um, you know, making it the easiest version for that influencer to kind of just get online and take a pic in, in front of the step and repeat and go, best night out, hashtag XYZ show, you know. Wow. So that, to me, it kind of like you can't, I don't know, this is, this is the, you can't take free tickets to a show and expect that you're not going to be asked to. Yeah, 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 to, pro- to promote the, it. The idea is that you want to mention it on social yeah. Now, that's just kind of different. That's the bottom end of the spectrum, say, for an invite, up to something where some, you know, a brand approaches you and says, we would like you to be our ambassador for the evening for Mazda or whatever else, and we'll pay you X amount of dollars. Here are the requirements you'll need to host for 20 minutes. You'll need to post two weeks before the event with these particular um, talking points. You'll have to do three Instagram stories at the event. You'll need to do... um, photo opportunity with our guests, you know, so, you know, a whole scope of... Sounds like a script. ...appearance. Hmm? Well, you have to be quite, as a person, you'd have to be quite pushy in that arena as well to sort of... Because I, I, I'm yeah. personally quite self-conscious of myself taking a selfie. Like, it's, mm, I find yeah, it quite yeah, hard yeah. to in, do... In a, in a public in, space. In public, yeah. Um, but... Oh my god! I, I I'm terrible. Yeah, I, mm. I, I would never. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I guess but they're getting it done, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It's not uncommon now to walk around and you just see people shooting selfies everywhere. Mm. And they've got the full pout going on. They've got the lighting. They know which which angle. <laughs> yeah, I haven't I haven't face. figured out my it's angle like, yet. Yeah. There's yeah. self timers on the iPhone now. There's different filters. You know, there's so much that can be done it's essentially you are your own you know the other thing with um all these when you go to an influencer as a brand what what you're doing is cutting out all the need for agency creative in the old in the olden days you'd engage <laughs> olden days <I'm> looking <laughs> like last wednesday but yeah exactly <laughs> two years ago but you would engage you know a well-known person that everyone knows their face and you go great can you be the face of our next campaign for bombs great yeah they would then take that to an advertising agency who designs all the creative. They design the, the messages, the colours, the look and feel of each photograph and then they hire photographers and they go into a studio. I mean, all of that still happens. But if you go to someone and say, 
you know, can you be one of our ambassadors for this particular brand? Here's what we'd like you to do. The creative is then more or less, more often left to the talent. Yeah, There's approvals in place usually for the brand, but what they're doing is cutting out an entire, like, effort of advertising agencies, I think, you know, in my... Yeah, how I yeah. How I tended to kind of see that was that my talent would then have to go away, design the photos, work out what they wear, kind of put the product in with their photos and they'd send it through back to the brand to get approval and they'd say, oh, can we, you know, there was a bit of back and forth if need be, but it's kind of, you know, that talent is then becoming a creative mind as well for that company. Kind of a self-sufficient way of managing yourself in a way. Is it right? Yep, yep. <laughs> it's like it's like you don't even. Yeah, kind of. But you're still always at the mercy of a brand. So that's yeah. Got to be super, super yeah. careful that you're never you're never putting yourself in a position where you are having to promote something you don't fully believe in. Yeah. I think that's the main thing you have to be careful of. Yeah, but it just seems to me that that's so difficult to achieve, right? I mean. Well, okay. I mean, yeah. I just well, feel like I see depends. so so much of that. I see so much of yeah. someone who, I mean, would would they put such and such a fitness clothing brand in their in their Instagram feed if they weren't getting paid for it? Well, no, they wouldn't, right? No, because they're a personality. No. Because they have the followers, they're using that to make money mm-hmm. off it. That just seems obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think all of us could probably. Think of one person on our socials that we've taken off because they're super annoying. Yeah. Because of that, <laughs> that fact, right? I'm sure we've all got some, at least one yeah. friend of ours that's gone. Yeah. Because of that, because if it's not real, if it's not, if it's not integrated properly and authentically into your life, um, then it just, I think consumers and friends and followers completely see through it now. We're, we're smart mm. at it now, looking at it going, oh, no. That's just the money. Whereas if it's someone that you've followed for a few years, they've built up your trust, you feel like you've got to know them because you see a little insight into their lives, mm. then you don't mind a little post every now and again going, "Sure, guys, yeah. I love this friend. I just had the best afternoon at X. You know, like you believe them a lot better if you've already built that foundation of being someone that's interesting and real and not um, someone that's just trying to climb the ladder and gain followers and get invites. Well, Natalie Gilholm, I think you've summed it up really well for us. I'm just going to, I'm going to go now and get my socials happening again because I really think (laughs) I've fallen behind. I've probably turned you off. No, you've turned me off. I'm going to make this happen no matter what. Thanks, Nat. Thanks for all your help. Thanks, Nat. Keep you posted. This is What Happens If on Joy 94.9, the show that tackles the questions you think you know the answers to. I'm Daniel. I'm Jan. And this week on the show, we're asking, what happens if I become an influencer? Hey, Jan, you know those, you know that blue tick that some people have? uh, Yeah. Yeah. The blue tick on their, on their socials. Yeah. You explained it to me. Yeah. 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 So that means that it's like the person's like legit. Yeah. Like they're the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, our next guest, Definitely has one of those ticks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with over 33,000 followers on Facebook and up uh, 150,000 followers. Oof, dee, oof, dee. I actually have 290 on 
Facebook, 290,000. What? Oh. Okay, well then. We have undervalued you. Over, <laughs> over, se- over seven years of. I'm about to pass out. 290,000, wow. do you say? Yes. We're flabbergasted. Oh. <laughs> I'm gobsmacked. <laughs> I don't care. Like, I just think that's enough. Like, they're just, like, you know, people go, well, I'm famous because, like, people on, like, on Facebook, but I just don't believe in that, like, mindset, you know? Well, that's Kurt Coleman, by the way, and even though he does yes. have almost 300,000 followers on Facebook, he doesn't think he's famous. We disagree. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, like, I know I'm famous, but I don't think, like, from, like, you know, numbers mean nothing. It's just all about loving everyone, helping everyone in the world. doesn't matter about numbers in life, you know? People so, always talk about that, and I'm like, you're shallow. <laughs> <laughs> not like you're right, babe. I'm not shallow. I'm the deepest-hearted person in the world. So, I love that. Yeah. So you've never been concerned by the numbers, and I guess in a way that must be part of the success. The fact that don't care. you're not concerned about it. Well, that's I, really interesting. I don't yeah. because you know I I I'd meet all these people every day, like yeah. in real life. Like I don't even look at it, you know, from an online perspective. I just yeah. think I've really like changed people's lives because they tell me every day. Like people tell me, change their life. They followed me for like six years and. I get that every day, so that's all I care about, actually talking to people and, you know, that's real-life connection with a person that knows me. I don't care about, you know, online. It's just if I can help someone in real life, that's amazing. We had a little idea, actually, which we forgot to ask you about at the start. We were wondering if you could take a selfie now and post it and see how many likes you've got in the next 10 minutes. Why? Would you be keen? I just don't get, like, why does... It's just so weird. Well, because we're interested because we... There's a certain amount of people that are followed on Instagram, and you're one of them, and we're not. So we don't want... It's just an app on your phone, babe. I know, babe, but that's... (laughs) But this is... But you're here because of the app on the phone. Like, like, do do you know what I mean? I got known before any of this was even, like, a business. So let's, let's talk about that. So, uh, you, but what I'm interested in is how you know how to use those, you know how to use the socials. Whereas when they came out for me, I didn't really. It's so weird because do you know how everyone's like, yeah, you have to know how to do all this. I've never, there was no secret formula. I was like, I was just, I'm literally just doing what I want, saying what I want. Yep. Um, just being pretty, I guess. Like I didn't, I never tried to get known. Yeah. All these people are trying and that's what I mean. This difference with me, like. I've never tried to like stay relevant or known. I'm just mm. being myself and, yep. you know, people just love me. Yeah, <laughs> just from being myself. They absolutely do. And there's no, I just think it's all like a lie. I've seen people have schools where you go and train to like how to market yourself on Instagram. And I'm like, I know that's like literally a made up job to like, get money because yeah. there's no <laughs> secret. It's literally, yeah. it's, you know, mm. you're either just like, because everyone's like constructing their image of themselves and it's something I've really noticed. I don't even, never done that. Like I'm just being myself and every person is like different to how they portray themselves on Instagram. You know what I mean? I have noticed that I about, don't get that. I have noticed that about what I've seen of, of, of you online is that you're quite honest. Yeah. And I think, so. I, I wonder if that really, that actually really sort of shines through and resonates and with resonates. A, a, a yeah. You know, like people. that's what I mean. Like I'm not going to sit here and like just talk about like fake things. Cause I have so many things that I can talk about like that. Even like, I just always say that everyone's just, you know, and portrays himself as a different person because they think that's like, I don't know what they think actually. They mm. must just think that's what is like a standard. 
And that's just being fake, mm. to be honest. Like, be yourself. It, it, Who I, cares? I do think it's worth acknowledging, though, that there are, I mean, let's say somewhere around... 299,950 people who you don't know who follow you, right? You don't know these people. But, yeah. yeah. And, and so whatever it is you're putting out there, right, you, you can go into your feed and you can see everything you've ever posted. For them, that's all there is. Yeah. So, and, and that's why, that's what I was saying about the online because, you know, I'm, I've met so, so, so many people in real life and it's different because they actually get to talk to me and they're like, you know, because everything I've shared online is probably like a two-second video. It's not even yep. who I am, you know? Mm. It's just a two-second thing. You can't portray... I can't portray myself even, like, online as much as you can because, like, I'd be talking for hours, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a great um, there's a great video of you learning how to drive. Yes. Which I saw. Oh, you have mentioned you, that. I haven't <laughs> seen it. Have you, have you, have you picked Did you that out yet? Um, well, it's so funny because... I, well, because you just mentioned you moved to Melbourne. Yeah, but so you I live, in, don't the, need to drive I live in the cities yeah. and, you know, oh, you don't just need to drive? Uber yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So. <laughs> I drove here. It was awful. Yeah. Did you? It was awful. <laughs> and do you know what's so funny? I don't know. Like, I just think I just would rather be in the back seat. I like sitting down and yeah. I don't want to think about stupid traffic and <laughs> yeah. like mental drivers. Yeah. I Trains are the best. They're on tracks. You know exactly where you're going. And people always say to me, though, like, oh, can't you don't get your license and i'm like well i don't have to it's my life why do you care yeah well i don't i mean people won't be driving in 10 years it'll all be uh robots yes <laughs> literally my mom's no. not gonna like they that already, <laughs> they already have those cars that yeah. are like self-driving and someone crashed i know it's yeah. Yeah. such amazing technology yeah. <laughs> well i'm like if you can't make an if it's 2018 and you can't even make an iphone not glitch how are you going to make a driving well, car idiot <laughs> yeah it's a giant metal iphone the world doesn't make sense <laughs> hey you're on what's happen- what happens if on joy 94.9 we're here talking to talking to kurt coleman um social media star influencer i'm just me and no one's me yeah <laughs> influencer so, though well, i about- hate the name influence because i that's what i was saying instagram facebook all of that was never a business when i became known even if it's like couple five years at four four years into it i was it was never a business. It's just only mm. become like a... So how did it all start for you? Just, <laughs> I literally was just at school. Like YouTube videos or? Um, I just think I just posted normal stuff on Facebook like everyone else. And mm. um, my thing was just on public, just the setting. And yeah, right. Yeah. I don't know. Just people just kept talking about me just randomly all the time. And then I just remember when I was like 15 and... I went to school. He was like, when I was in the Gold Coast, I went to school. He was like underage. And when I was 13, 14, 15, <laughs> then when I, when I was 16 and 17 and 18, I got paid to go there. So like, so annoying. Cause I literally <laughs> like, went, no, but I went, team. I went to schoolies already. So I was like bored of it. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, right. I can't believe I went since I was 13. You're like, this is sad. But people knew me when I was like 15. They were like, I'm from Toowoomba and like, I've, I've heard of you. People oh, wow. at school talk about you. Um, and all this, and like, I just remember that was one of the first times, like, someone just from a random place came up to me and just, you know, That's they, cool. they were obsessed with me. Um, I, I'm wondering if you, if you, uh, when you were growing up, were obsessed with other people that made YouTube videos or that kind of thing, because that was sort of something that um, I missed. <laughs> it's mm. so weird. I've, I've never watched YouTube. I just, yeah. <laughs> I don't care about watching someone else's life. <laughs> it gets old quick. <laughs> I, you know what though, like honestly, I would rather. What? Why don't you just sit down with someone, talk about their life? That's so much more interesting. You yeah. can actually talk to someone. 
I don't care. I've never watched TV. I haven't watched a television for like five years or something. Like, yeah, right. I only just, if I, I go to the movies and stuff, but I don't watch TV. I just think that's brainwashing, you know? Yep. Um, yeah, I just never cared about watching people's lives like that. And I, I don't, why do people look at screens and they're like, yeah, I'm so obsessed with like <laughs> some random person I've never even talked to. Like, it's a photo. Get over it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so interesting because we've, I think we've, we are talking to like the antithesis of everything that Instagram is about. <laughs> it's so funny though because that's what I mean. I don't care about any of that. Like I just, it's not real to me. And all I care about is all my work I've done on camera. That's my passion. I don't, yeah. you know, I'm not trying to be in a vlog. I'm trying to be in a Hollywood movie, babe. Like yeah. <laughs> it's a difference. I don't care about this stuff. It's nothing. Yeah. Do you think it's important to manage it though? Do you think that? These days, you can. I don't have... have to because I am this. No, I don't mean. You I know? don't mean. I mean, like, just an actual having. Like, do you think that you could have what you, uh, the opportunities you're getting without? Yeah, these I social do now. media platforms. Definitely now. Yeah. After all these years, because you know I've got mainstream stuff like that. I like you know I'm yeah. in the newspapers and stuff. Like, yeah, I absolutely. could easily do anything if mm-hmm. I wanted to without anything. I just know that I'm confident in myself and. Yeah, it's a good. Attitude. And I've never really tried I'm just being myself. That's yeah. why I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> I saw some really good, some really funny uh, videos of you recently at uh, an. Op- it looked like an opening at the NGV um, National Gallery oh, of Victoria. Yeah, so and, much fun yesterday. Yeah, it was because uh, those kind of uh, events are usually yeah, they can be a little bit stuffy, you know, an yep, opening night at, at, at a gallery. But mm-hmm. you kind of definitely brought your own flair to it. Well, it was a uh, wine tasting first. Oh, yeah. So, oh, great. So then, yes. yeah, yeah. And then yeah. we went into yeah. the gallery. And, <laughs> but the, everyone was drinking wine. Like, everyone had yeah, wine cute. in the gallery. Yeah. So they were pouring everyone wine, saying, taste this, yeah. taste this. And it was amazing. Drank wine that has no yeast, yeast made in it. Oh, cute. Oh, that's and, good. Um, yeah, so vegan. Well, it's just like, they just say it's better as for y'all because it's like yeah. natural off the ra- off the rocks. They said <laughs> it actually is. It's like wine out of rocks. A ma- no, a magic stone stone rocks in New Zealand, and apparently the yeast just comes naturally from the rocks. Rocks, and it takes longer, but it's fresher wine. Oh my god, I love wow. that. Yes. Wow! Did you go because someone asked you to? Um, one of my friends wanted me to go with them, so I was just like, yeah, I'll come with you. Do you get invited to a lot of different things? Yeah, all yeah. the time, especially down here. Like, you know, sometimes I'm like, there's three things on in one day, can't go to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, I Do love, you love it. that. I, well, I just love, like, you know, there's so many fun events, and especially a lot of my friends run events, and I love supporting them being there because it's amazing. Yeah. Well, Kurt Coleman, um, thanks so much for coming in, being on our first episode of What's Happen- yes. What Happens If. I love it because what happens if exactly? Yeah. Who, knows? <laughs> Who bloody knows? I think we've learned. I think we've learned about that because I don't. I I'm completely. This is not what I expected to hear. That, yeah. That's great. Right. I mean, this that, is what we're about. Yeah, I love it. Love Wonderful. that. Yeah, I love me. And I love you. I love you. And I, love I miss you. <laughs> I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens if on joy. This is Joy 94.9 and, um, yeah, so it's Tuesday, uh, and sorry, we haven't really, haven't really, uh, gotten anywhere in the show yet, have we? But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I was just talking before about, um, how old sitcoms used to do those crap recap episodes where they have, you know, they've got no good ideas. So they just want to like save some money and just fill up the slot, you know? But, you know, uh, you know, uh, we'll keep trucking on with this episode today.
uh, in the here and now because that's all there is in life, isn't there? I mean, I remember when I spoke with Linda Barkley. Um, do you remember when I spoke to Linda Barkley? Of course you do because she had interesting, insightful, important points to make on critically important issues that we face as human beings. Um, but yeah, no, I really liked when we spoke about the value of moments in our lives, of time itself. And well, uh, like I said before, you can't change the past. So, um, yeah, we're here, uh, doing today's episode, which I'm going to get on with now. And, uh, you know, uh, that's all there is though. This is Joy 94.9 and... This is Dr. Linda Barkley. Thank you so much for joining us on the line, Dr. Linda. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. And how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Um, So I decided to do a bit more of a follow-up on the carer thing into dementia. And I've mentioned this before, but for folks who have just tuned in, I have a grandmother who has severe dementia. And it's gotten me thinking a lot about how we can go about... uh, Attempting to understand someone's wishes when they are no longer sound of mind, and that's the sort of the terminology that they use. And you've written a lot about dignity and disability, and I'm wondering how you think about the relationship between dignity and disability, first of all, and how that might apply into the life of a carer who's attempting to develop uh, I suppose uh, a, a full rounded view of what that person the the who is not sound of mind may want in their life in an ongoing way. The kind of ethical issues raised by dementia have in fact been discussed by philosophers for the last twenty years or so mm. because they raise really tricky issues about who we take a person with dementia to be um, mm. so do we, when we're caring for someone with really advanced dementia, are we trying our best to keep them happy and content and avoid distress? Or are we trying to honour the person that they always took themselves to be before they got dementia? I wonder, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot um, in my life, which is this idea that when someone's got dementia, there's obviously the memory, the memory loss, or the memory uh, skewing, or the or the mm. or the thinking that someone is somebody else. Uh, so there's just this sort of confusion and um, and misappropriation going on. And mm. sometimes, if you know, if my grandmother is visited, she perhaps doesn't remember it half an hour later, but will remember it. Let's say. 10 days later, whatever it might be. I'm sure it's different for every patient. Um, And I wonder how you think about the idea of uh, how the person with dementia is living moment to moment. And is there a... it, It feels like there's an inequality in how we value moments for people with disabilities. Does that... Is that ringing true in any way? Am I off... Am I off the mark there? So whether we um, think some moments are more valuable than others in their lives? Yeah, whether the the, the meaning of moments 
changes intrinsically. The value of those moments mm. changes intrinsically because they are forgotten shortly after. Yeah, no, look, I think that's a really good question. And both because they're forgotten shortly after. So, so it doesn't mean as much if it's just so transitory. Mm. Um, but also because so much of our lives and the value of the moment in our lives contributes towards some kind of forward-looking project, mm. right? So we... And, and a, self, we, a self-made narrative. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So human beings are not actually particularly good, despite all the ways in which self-help books tell us to be better at it. We're not, we're <laughs> yeah. not actually particularly good at just simply enjoying the moment, uh, yeah, right? The moment's yeah. always part of some bigger project mm. or it's part of some bigger narrative or it's part of some, you know, a series of interconnected mm. relationships or something. It's, mm. it's always plotted somewhere on a bigger picture. Mm. Um, and I think that I think that sometimes for people with very advanced dementia, it is just about trying to make um, the little moments count. But Mm. how do we do that? Those of us who don't have dementia do that without, again, feeling this kind of sense of loss that, well, that's all it is. It's just a little moment. Mm. (laughs) It's not actually helping to improve the overall quality of this person's life necessarily or... It's not actually helping to, you know, on some path of progress in some way. It's just a moment and mm. it'll be gone. Um, and Gosh, I that's think, almost more difficult to take when you are sound of mind. <laughs> well, I've been, I you know what I mean? Exactly it's, right. yeah, yeah, it's a hard reality yeah. to face. It's very hard for those of us without dementia to step into the shoes of somebody who does have dementia. It's just mm. very, very difficult mm. because it's it's not just the cognitive impairments. It's a f- it, it can be such a f- such a way of living that's so at odds with what it means for most of us to be human beings, which is that we construct our lives in these longer narratives uh, with complex connections to other people, um, with complex understandings of who's alive, who's dead, who's present, who's not. Mm. And when you take all of that away, um, it becomes very complex for us who don't have dementia to know what the right thing to do is for someone who does. Um, So another really good example is just the ethics of deception. So usually we take honesty to be extremely important in our interpersonal relationships. Mm. But what if a loved one with dementia keeps asking about her partner, for example, who died 10 years ago, Mm. um, and she just keeps forgetting that her mm. partner died. And so she keeps asking again and again, you know, where's so-and-so, where's so-and-so? Um, and again, family members or loved ones have really, really different views. Some are just kind of really stuck on this idea that you have to be honest. And so you have to keep telling your loved one with dementia over and over again that their partner actually died, mm. right? Mm. Whereas other people say that's cruel, mm. right? You what you can do is just say, oh, you know, they're down at the supermarket and then you hope that they'll quickly forget, which they often do, right? Mm. So, and then 10 minutes later they might ask again and again you say they're down at the supermarket. Mm. Um, The question is, because so again, you're thinking, well, the most important thing is not to distress them, right? And that means we have to suspend some of these normal, you know, standard ethical relationships like honesty, um, and people have, <laughs> some people have a very hard time doing that and we don't agree about whether that's always the right thing to do. 
You are listening to What Happened If on Joy 94.9. I'm still speaking with Dr. Linda Barkley from the Philosophy Department at Monash University. Now, Dr. Linda, we left off there and I wanted to move on now to something that I found interesting when I was sitting watching the uh, the Four Corners double super duper special on aged care and I was sitting there with my with my grandfather watching it, which was interesting in and of itself. But I found it interesting that I kept hearing hearing this word justice come up, especially from mm. the um, the carers uh, or, or the, the sons or daughters uh, of those who were receiving care and were abused, allegedly, mm. or et cetera, mm. et cetera. This word justice kept coming up. And I wonder, I wonder where justice fits into this idea of... Um, representing someone who is cognitively impaired. Mm, yeah. So I think that um, I think we're probably just scratching the surface mm. of the amount of abuse that's going on um, in places like nursing homes. And, you know, a really one really simple way to look at it is to say, well, things are so bad because it's just a kind of economic injustice. There's not enough money spent on high quality nursing homes. There's not enough money spent on regulation. There's not enough money spent on high quality staff. Um, and that, of course, is all partly true. But I doubt that that's the whole story about justice. Mm. Um, I think one of the reasons there's not enough money spent and why in any case there would be abuse even if there was enough money spent is because there is so much stigma attached to being old um, and very frail and certainly having cognitive impairment. So, and mm. having all three of those traits is a triple, triple whammy in terms of stigma. Mm. I mean, we talk that way ourselves, right? We ourselves say, um, we couldn't think of anything worse than losing our marbles yeah, or anything. Yeah. K- kill me before yeah. that happens. You hear people say, <laughs> I yeah. mean, that's, so that's we, about as bad know, as it we gets. talk, we talk in this stigmatized way ourselves about, yeah, about, right. um, oh. old age and, and, dementia and frailty. Now, it really is, I've never know, thought of it that way. It really is negative talk, isn't it? It's totally yeah. negative talk. And you, if, you think about, uh, if you think about comparing that to other ways in which people are stigmatised, it would raise eyebrows. Right? Mm, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, um, but having said that, you know, there's no point sticking your, your head in the sand. It's, it can, in fact, just be very, very difficult to mm. have some disabilities. It, it can be a genuine loss both for the person themselves and others around them to become cognitively impaired. So I I don't want to deny that. But to talk about it and to treat it as a fate worse than death is also our our way of giving voice to our cultural obsession and, and valuing of youth and physical robustness and beauty and, and um, all of the things associated with that. So, so, so I think justice, (laughs) <laughs> for people who are uh, are going to be very old and frail and end up in some form or another of care, ultimately will never really be perfect until we learn to stop talking so negatively mm. about old age and the declines that are often associated with it. Um, mm. You know, they say in, in some countries and in some cultures, old people are lauded and put up on a pedestal. I don't really know if that's true or in what exact sense it's true. Right. But I but I do think we need to stop trash talking it as as a face fate worse 
worse than death. Um, yeah, and I, I don't think it would be a stretch to say, and again, I'm in the same boat as you, I, I couldn't, um, you know, confirm it either way, but it wouldn't feel like a stretch for me to say that the word elder has a very different meaning in some cultures than it does others. And I, I, I'll stick right. my neck out and yeah. say that our connotation around elder ain't that great. No, it's not. We have the word elderly. So um, yeah. I used to work um, for older people in a in a pension um, non-government organisation and they would never use the word elderly. They just mm. refer to themselves as older people because mm. the, world, the word elderly for us is a kind of... It refers to a character, various character traits of being frail and incompetent. Yep. Um, Dotty. And yep. Yeah, mm, so mm. Um, it's not it's not even a word. Having been in that environment in the past, that I would even use. I would yeah, just right. Say older, pe- older oh, that, people. That, that's interesting. Mm. Yeah. So so yeah. So I, there there are whenever you see abuse, nearly in every case where you see people subject to violence or abuse, there's nearly always some kind of stigma yeah. um, that lies behind it that makes it so easy for otherwise good and decent people to become abusive. Mm, that's that's very interesting. Well, um, Dr. Linda, I, as you said just before, I I think we've only scratched the surface, and it's been a, um, a fantastic conversation with you. I appreciate you having this dialogue with me and um, coming on speaking about something that's very close to my family and that's been swirling around in my brain. Um, can very quickly, can you just maybe um, let us know where people can go to find your work? Uh, sure. So I have a website, um, and if you just Google Linda Barclay at Monash, it will direct you to my website with all of my contact details. Wonderful. Dr. Linda Barclay from the Philosophy Department at Monash University. Um, thank you so much again, and I'll speak to you next time. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And, yeah, you know, here we are. Um, it's today. Uh, Tuesday, and uh, I'm experiencing this moment uh, with you, the listeners. But really, I'm uh, I'm just in a room on my own. But you know, the point the point that I continue to think about since speaking with um, Linda Barclay is that there's nothing that tells me that my experience of life is any if is is of any greater value than anybody else's. Right? I mean, regardless of disability or cognitive cognitive impairment. I mean, have a think about whether or not you know that what you're experiencing is good or bad. How do you know that it's good? How do you know that you are indifferent or otherwise? Now, gee, I tell you what, it's a, it's a real roller coaster radio. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of radio is music. Uh, a lot of stations play a lot of music. But, uh, you know, Dan and I always felt, and I still do, um, that music doesn't really have a place on what happens if... You know, we designed this show for conversation. Uh, but we did, you know, we like to finish the show off with songs that are, or, or, or that, that were appropriate to each episode's theme, um, as it were. And I mean, I, I won't, uh, I won't play old songs we've used before now. I mean, talk about lazy. Uh, you know, we've got a show to get through here on Joy 94.9. No, I'm not going to play old songs. 
I wouldn't do that to you. You're the reason why I'm still in this room, alone. Just, just talking, learning, speaking to people with strong insight, or just people, dialogue, conversation. Well, that was sort of fun, right? It was a parody, <laughs> I guess, of a flashback episode that perhaps you may know of if you watched 90s sitcoms. And if you didn't watch 90s sitcoms, you'll have no clue what just happened. If you listened from any point in today's episode other than the beginning and followed all the way through, you will be just utterly confused. Um, <clears throat> and that's okay because there is a podcast. So it's all recorded. Everything that... Dan and I have done here at What Happens If across the last few months is just out in the cyber ether forever, save some uh, crash, some some kind of apocalypse where it's all lost. What would we have to do for that to happen? I'm going to take this opportunity, now that we're out of weird Twilight Zone flashback world, to uh, thank Joy94.9 for having us here. Daniel learned the radio craft here in the, in, the, in the learning programs that are open, it would seem, to anyone to come in and, and practice. There's a kind of creative freedom in the learning process and it seems to me that the people here at Joy 94.9 who have been here a long time, who are champions of teaching new people, younger people, older people, anyone really, um, the craft of radio, of podcasting, are a group of people who um, should be admired. It's a real treat to have been in the studios here and to be a part of this community and to share with you some of the things that I want to know about and that Daniel want to know about. To have also given Daniel and I, two old friends, an opportunity to spend some time together. And that's what we did. And um, I've enjoyed continuing it on after that. I hope that you out there have enjoyed it. Uh, there's not a lot else to say at this point. Um, yes, I won't bore you with replaying songs from old episodes. Um, I'll leave you with one that I think just based on where my brain first went in its method of free association seems to sum up the end of this little part of life. Um, so this has been What Happens If.
Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.